Well, good morning. I am so glad that God's presence is here this morning. I'm so glad that he's a God that is not only that can be known, he's a God that can be felt. And so I just praise him for showing up among us this morning. Thank you for the worship team for, for leading us to that place this morning. I want to start with a question. You got any, any uh, card players out there? Any serious card players? Yeah? What's your game, man? Poker. Poker. All right. He was like, I don't know if I can say this in church, but <laughs> poker. All right. So uh, men's poker night sounds fun. Let's do that. Any other serious card players? Go fish. Okay. <laughs> That's a women's night right there. Okay. I saw another hand. All right, Lauren. Canasta. All right. What you got, Chris? Rook. All right. I'm with you. Okay. I'm going with poker, but I like those other ones too. All right. Now, you guys will know, you card players, probably all of you do, but when you've got the right card, the, the exact card that you need, the card that's going to trump any other card... The card that's going to win the game and win the hand, it's called the, I already said it, trump card. It's when you lay down the card that is the best card and you know you've got the winner. It's called the trump card. It's called the trump card. And boom, and you're sitting there trying not to smile, not trying to give it away, that you got it. Now this isn't, we're going to talk about the trump card today and we're not getting political. Uh, it's nothing to do with Donald Trump. All right. I do believe he's got the hair to be the president. I mean, it's like George Washington wig hair. Um, but we're not going political today. The trump card is, is the one that wins the day and wins the hand. Now, even if you don't play cards, as a parent, you know what a trump card is. You play them all the time. When your kids give you static, you play trump cards. You could play the trump card, well, I'm the parent. I'm the boss. Or I pay the bills around here, and so what I say goes. Or our favorite, I brought you into this world, and I can take you out. Those are some trump cards. Definition. A, a trump card is a valuable resource that may use, you may use in order to gain an advantage. You know what, guys? Whatever you're facing in life, Whatever the situation, whatever the problem, whatever the issue, there is an advantage that you and I can possess that is the trump card that wins the game and wins the hand every time. And God wants you and I to hold a hand in life where we've got the ace, baby. We've got the trump card that no matter whatever it is, when the chips are down, we can play that baby and it comes through. So this morning, we're going to learn about the ultimate Trump card, if you're with me this morning. Now, as you're turning to John chapter 8, let me just back up a second. We're doing a, a series called 30 Days with Jesus, and we're in week 3. We're doing messages that are walking through the gospel of John, and we're looking at these amazing statements of Jesus so that we know who he is, so we can worship him more clearly and more fully. We're also doing a 30-day devotional. You can pick one up on the table outside for a $5 donation and walk through 30 days of a half sheet of learning about Christ and knowing Him better. We're taking time in our small groups to discuss those learnings. And so in 30 days, we're going to know Christ so much better. Does that sound good? Today, we're picking up another story that, of Jesus where he makes these ama this amazing statement. And just to set the scene here, the Jewish leaders were harassing him. 
The religious leaders of this day, they did it over and over again. They were harassing Christ. In fact, they were, they were even saying that he was demon possessed. And he debunks that whole thing. He puts them in their place. And then he makes a bold promise. We're going to start in verse uh, 30, uh, 52 here. Jesus says this. He says, very truly I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. That's a bold claim, isn't it? He claims to have the words of life and have the power over death itself. And these Jewish leaders, they're not so sure about that. In fact, they say this. At this they exclaim, now we know that you're demon-possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. Yet you say that whoever obeys your word will never taste death. And, and you are greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? I mean... These guys lose their mind thinking that Jesus has lost him. Who do you think you are? This is actually a rhetorical question. They knew exactly what he was claiming. He was claiming to be the Messiah, the promised one, that from pages back, from, from centuries ago, the prophets had come and said there would be one that would come to deliver not only the nation of Israel, but all people from their sin and give them hope and give them life and give them eternal life. And Jesus himself was claiming to be that one, the Messiah. Now, we're familiar with this concept. If you know the Matrix movies, Neo was the one, right? Neo was the one. Uh, I, I'm get, I, I, get, um, I get accused a lot of times of being stuck in the 80s and the 90s. So let me bring it up to date. Uh, Divergent, Insurgent, Detergent, whatever those movies are. I think that's the third one. The girl in that movie, I don't remember her name. But she's the one. She's got the special abilities and got all the abilities and she's the one. Well, Jesus here is claiming to be the one. And it wasn't that they didn't understand that claim. Here's the deal. What they did is they didn't want to believe that claim. They refused to believe that Jesus was the one. He's been healing people, doing miracles. He's been proclaiming himself as the one. And they didn't want to believe him. Why? Why didn't they? They didn't want to accept that Jesus was the one just for the same reasons that you and I don't want to accept that he's the one. Because if Jesus is really the one, then he's got a claim on my life. If Jesus is really the one, that means he's in charge and not me. If Jesus is the one, he has the right to demand uh, my obedience and my loyalty and my life. Just like he does to you. And they didn't want that. They refused that. In fact, here's what they wanted. They wanted feel-good religion that said, if I do enough good things or if I look better than other people, then I'm okay. I want a feel-good religion that doesn't require that I give up control of my life or the rights to my life. I want feel-good religion that makes me feel good and then I can go back to my life and do what I want to do. They're a lot like us, aren't they? See, if your arrangement with God and my arrangement with God doesn't require your life and my life, you've got religion and not Jesus. That's what they had in that day, and that is still what happens today. See, he wants a relationship with you and I that starts with acknowledging that he is the one and that he is the Savior and that he has rights to lead our life. I wonder this morning... 
I've been praying about this. Is your relationship with God on your terms or on his terms? Is the relationship that you claim to have with Christ, I mean, we're sitting here this morning in church, and most of us would say a relationship, yeah, I have a relationship with God. Is that relationship based on your terms and your agreement and your contract, or is it based on the fact that Jesus came, and because he came, he has ultimate claim to your life? The Jewish leaders could not wrap their heads around. They did. They refused to accept him because of their religion. They clung to the religion instead of to Christ. Today, I don't think that's the, the block for most people. I think today, the block today for most people is their lifestyle. I don't want to give up. I don't want to let go. I don't want to, if, if Jesus is my all, then that, they know he's going to take the best of my life from me or he's going to make me move to China or do something crazy like that. I've got missionaries from China and they're laughing over here. <laughs> Y'all are wrong, wrong Sunday to be here, okay? Just kidding, man. We love y'all. Man, he might ask something big from me. Whether it's religion or whether it's your lifestyle or whatever the thing is, if you have something that keeps you from embracing Christ as your all, then you're going to miss him. And if you miss Jesus, you miss everything. I mean, hear me as, as clear as I can. If you miss him... You miss everything. And here's why. Check out the passage keeps going. So Jesus says, I'm the one. And they say, you can't be the one. And then he says this, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim is your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. He's kicking it to him, isn't he? I'd be a liar like you, but I do know him and I obey his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. Check this out. They go, you're not yet 50 years old and you've seen Abraham. They were always looking for a way or a place to trip up Jesus and catch him in his words. And I think they thought they finally had one. Wait a minute. You said that you know Abraham? Come on, man. You're not even 50 years old. He says, very truly, I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. Before Abraham was born, I am. Let me, let me unpack what that means. Jesus is saying, you're not getting this. You don't understand. I'm a lot older than 50 years old. In fact, I have always been. I am the God who is eternal and preexistent. Like the book starts in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created. In the beginning, God, he says, there is no more explanation for the origin of God, and we don't need another explanation for the origin of God. God, by definition, is preexistent and eternal. He is always existent, and he always will exist. That's what it means to be God. And Jesus says, I'm that Guy, I have no cause, I have no beginning, I have no end. I'm the God you can't understand. I'm outside of time, I'm outside of space. I'm the only self-existent one. What that means is everyone else got here by a mama, God didn't. I have always been. I have always been. 
Jesus claims to be that God. And when he says, I am, this is so cool. When he says, I am, he's actually quoting himself back in Exodus 3.14. You want to jot that down and check it out. God is approaching Moses. Moses had been wandering in a desert for 40 years. And God speaks to him. There's a burning bush. And he he approaches the bush. And God speaks to Moses out of that burning bush. And he begins to tell him of what he must do to go and rescue his people out out of captivity in Egypt. And he says, wait a minute. Who are you? And if they ask me what your name is, what am I supposed to tell them? <laughs> and, God, and God says this, tell them, I am that I am. Tell them the great I am has sent you. Have you ever heard a better, better one-liner in your life than that? He says, I am that I am. You can't define me. Words can't describe me. So let me define myself. I am the one that is and always has been and always will be. I am that I am. Sam, I am. (laughs) I've heard some good one-liners. In fact, I had a guy tell me one not too long ago. He says, however stupid you can be, I can always take it one level higher. And I think he was proud of that. (laughs) No. And it's not Popeye's line. I am that I am. That's all that I am. That's God's line. I am that I am. That means he doesn't need anything. And he created the world not because he was lacking something. He's always existed, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they had relationship with each other. And he was content with himself. And yet out of the goodness, he wanted to share the glory and the goodness of himself with a creation that could know him and experience him. And so he made a vast world and all these animals. And then he made the pinnacle of his creation, man. Man and wife, and he made male and female that we might experience him and know him and bask in the glory that is God. And he says, I am that I am, and I want you to know me. In fact, he uses that phrase one other time, and it's in the night before uh, his crucifixion, the night he's betrayed. He'd been traveling with 12 men for several years and one of them betrays him and Judas goes and he gets paid to bring the uh, contingency of soldiers to come arrest Jesus and he approaches them in a garden and he comes and he kisses them and that's how the soldiers know that that's him. And as they're doing so, Jesus went out and asked them later in that chapter, I'm sorry, chapter 18 of John and it says, who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, I am he, Jesus said. Then verse 6 says, when Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and they fell to the ground. See, when Jesus said, I am, he was claiming his divinity once again. And just the mere power of that claim pushed them down to the ground. It could have been as many as 500 soldiers that came to arrest him. And just the very declaration of the truth of who he is floored him. See, what you have to understand is when you and I recognize Jesus as the I am, the right place for you and the right place for me is bowed before him in awe of who he is. And here's the deal, guys. You and I will all bow one day before the great I am. You and I will all bow one day before his majesty and his glory. 
If we bow before him in this life, before our, our life here on earth is over, all that he is and all the goodness that he is and all the greatness that he is and all the love that he possesses, all that comes flooding into our lives and into our hearts and he makes us new. And it's glorious. If you wait and if you don't, you will still kneel before him. You'll still kneel. But you will miss him for forever. It'll be too late. It'll be too late. You say, okay, I get it. God is the I am. What's that mean to me? Here's what it means, guys. When you say I am not, God says I am. When you say I am not or I can't or I won't or I'll never, God says, wait a minute, but I am. And if you are in me and you're with me and I've, you've agreed with me, then you've recognized me as the great I am, then I say I am. Here's what it looks like. I'm not good enough. When we say I'm not good enough, Jesus steps in and says, wait a minute, but I am. In fact, I'm perfect. And if you're in me and if you know me, then here's the deal. When God looks at you, he doesn't see the faults and the failures. All he sees is the righteousness I possess. And because I am good, now you are good. You're I am not. I trump that because I am. Jesus pulls out the ace and he goes, wait a minute. You don't understand. Whatever you feel like a failure at, I've got the trump card. I've already paid for that. I, I can't overcome my past. Wait a minute. No, no. I've got that covered. I am the ultimate trump card. When you say, I'm not able. I'm not able to overcome my sin. I'm not able to overcome my past. I'm not able to overcome an addiction. I'm not able, able to overcome an illness. And you feel trapped in a certain place in your life. Jesus steps in and says, wait a minute. But I am that I am. And because I am, what's impossible with man becomes what? Possible with God. You see the power of him being the I am? It trumps our I am nots every time. When you say, I can't keep going. He says, I'm able. And if you're in me, I can carry you where you can't go on. Because I am, I'm enough and I'm sufficient for whatever is the problem, whatever is the issue. God's I am always trumps your I am not every time. Can I tell you guys, I've never felt so lacking, unable to deliver a message to somebody as today. And I kept saying, God, I'm, how am I going to convey what it means that you are the I am. I feel so deficient in that. You know what he told me on the way here? But I am. <laughs> but I am. And so when God's presence showed up here this morning, I just had a smile. And say, man, God, you're going to do what I can't do. You're going to come through when I can't come through. God, when I'm at the end of myself, that's where you step in and you take over and you come through. You are the great I am. And he's greater than my I am not. It means he's the answer to every problem. He's the trump card. In this life and in the next life, he is the great trump card. Now, here's my question this morning. The question that really matters is, who do you say that he is? Who do you say that he is? 
See, in a world that loves to paint things in gray and in shadows and I don't know and I don't think so and what is true for you might be true for you but not for me, there is still black and white, there is still right and wrong, and there is still ultimate truth. And here's the ultimate truth we're trying to convey to you this morning. Jesus claimed to be God in the flesh. He came to to give us life, to pay a death penalty that you and I couldn't pay so that we might have life. And if we accept him as not just our Savior and forgiver, but as the Lord and ruler of our lives, he will set us free. But here's the deal. There's really only three options that you and I have about Jesus Christ. He has claimed to be God. Is that not clear? From the passage this morning, they pick up stones to stone him because they understand the claim that he's making. He's claiming to be God. Get some rocks and let's kill him because that's punishable by death. So it was clear that he claimed to be God. And there's really only three options. He's either Lord, he's a liar, or he's loony. Here's what I mean. He claimed to be God. If he knew he wasn't telling the truth, he's a what? He's a liar. You might this morning, if you want to, if you're ready to call him a liar, that's one of your options. Or he claimed to be God and he really thought he was God, but he wasn't God. That would make him loony. Get a straitjacket. Or it was really true that God really did come down. He really did see the plight of mankind and know that we were broken and know that we were fallen and know that all of our good intentions couldn't get us to where we needed to go. And so he intervened and made a way for a relationship with God to be reestablished like the Garden of Eden where men saw God face to face and they walked and they talked with God. He says, I came that you could have that and I'm Lord. I've conquered death. I've conquered life. I rule it all. And it's time to recognize me as that. What category do you put him in? I mean, are you ready to acknowledge him as the Lord, as the one, as the chosen one that came for you? He's that. I promise you he's the one. Don't settle for religion that that you get to define the terms of this relationship. Don't settle for that. Take Jesus on his term. Recognize him as Lord. And give him all of your life. That's the only response. If we truly see him as Lord, the only response that you and I are able to do is to embrace him as our Lord and our Savior and to give him all of our lives back in return. That's the only proper response. He's worthy. He's worthy of your trust. He's worthy of your life. He died a horrible death so that you might have life. Can I tell you, he'll never let you down. And you'll never once regret that choice to make him your Lord. We saw someone do it this week, and that smile is still on her face because she made the right choice. She recognized Christ as Lord, and she is a new life in him. If you're his, remember this. Don't ever forget this. He's greater than every problem you have and every situation in his I am always trumps your I am not. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I know we've made it easy to be a Christian. We've made it easy to call on your name but not really take you fully. 
and not take you as our Lord and as our leader and as our boss. God, this morning, I believe you want to do business with people here this morning where we would recognize you as the leader and ruler, not just of this world, but the leader and ruler of our lives. And so, Father, this morning, if there's someone here that would say this and want to proclaim you as their Lord, they can simply say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you are who you said you are. And I believe you died in my place. And because you died in my place and purchased for me eternal life, I put my trust in you. Not in how good I can be or what other people think of me or my good works. I put my trust just in you. And because you've been so good to me, I give you back my life. I want to offer you back my life that I will try to live for you from this day forward. And Father, for all of us, may we never forget, you are the great I am. And because you are the great I am, that gives us hope. Because you are the great I am, you can give us victory. You can help us overcome. You can be all that we need. God, we thank you that you're that great God. In Jesus' name, amen.